What's popping, y'all? My name is Phyllis McKenzie, and welcome to Caroline Podcast. If you love the expression of creativity in visual, performing, literary, and culinary arts, then this is the podcast for you. So subscribe and follow our social media pages through the link in the description and be part of the family. Now, let's dive in into today's episode. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you and welcome back to 2021, a brand new episode. And today we are joined by an image contributor of WWF, All Digital Conservancy, and as well as Wild Animal Protection Ambassador. And quite in fact, he is the director of Jaguar ID Project Brazil. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Christopher N. Thank you so much for being part of this show. Hi, it's my pleasure. Every, hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they'll learn a lot from today, but before we begin, I'd like you to tell us your story. Who is Christopher Eng? Where did he grow up? How did he get into photography and all that? Um, I am from Singapore originally. I'm now based in New York City in the US. Um, I started as a professional strategist in terms of creating business strategy for organizations um, like Procter & Gamble, Hyatt Hotels, Western Union, many, many such companies. Mm-hmm. So after serving the capitalistic world and um, living life and understanding um, a little bit more about why we are here, uh, I decided when I could afford it because my late wife, I did lose my wife to cancer um, and I chose not to have children mm-hmm. because we felt even before I was a conservationist that there's just too many people on earth. We do not need to have more people. Um, nature doesn't need more people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people need nature. So without having kids in our lives, it was easy enough for us to um, retire. So I retired. But then when I lost her uh, to cancer, um, you know, I had to reinvent myself. And um, so when I decided to repair myself after losing her, Mm-hmm. to travel around the world. Um, as I said, without children, I spend all my money on myself traveling. Um, and I realized that my passion tended to be at safari parks or where there are wildlife. Mm-hmm. And then as I concentrated on traveling in safaris, um, I realized that everywhere I went, there was a common theme. And that is that almost every species on earth, except human, are headed towards extinction. That's when I did research and realized that biologists and naturalists and conservationists are calling this a period of mass extinction. And that is scary because I don't think this earth was made for only one species to exist. Mm -hmm. Many meaning that this earth is not made so that only humans exist. This earth is made to balance itself out via or through biodiversity. So that made me sort of think about what I'm doing. And in the meantime, I picked up or I learned to be a photographer so that when I travel, I can capture the memories and the images that I see the beauty of nature. And then I sort of talk, thought about it even more and say that with all these stress points, with a period of mass extinction, I am 
building up an egotistical venture called photography. Mm -hmm. I said that this, this cannot be right, you know, and I realized that there was a reason why I was led to do photography. Mm -hmm. And now more importantly, I have to practice what I now call photography with a purpose because photography can be very vain and self-serving mm -hmm. and very suboptimal. The only way photography can be optimal is if it serves a higher purpose. So today, my purpose is to use my images to invite people to fall in love with nature and its species because people will only protect what they love. Mm -hmm. Just like if I start to abuse a human child, it will be very tough for people to accept because people are by nature in love with children. But what's the difference between a child and animals? Mm -hmm. Same thing, the child and, and or an animal does not have defenses. They can be easily abused by us. So that's what I was trying to do, to use my images to make people fall in love with... Um, wildlife and that you will protect that which you love. So that in a long way is a little bit about who I am and what I'm trying to do on earth. And you've mentioned about your photography having a purpose and uh, when people look at your gallery on Instagram mostly, you have a lot of photos of animals in, your, in their natural habitat. As a photographer, how do you manage to capture these moments so that they deliver the message of environmental conservation? Wildlife is there not for us to turn into pets or turn into captive animals so that it will amuse us. You know, to me, capturing a wild animal is no different than capturing a child. You know, where you put the child on, in a cage and then it, it, it serves to amuse you. That to me is abuse. This doesn't mean that all zoos or places that have captive animals are bad because there are many zoos, many places where they have these captive animals to save them because they are orphaned or they are you know ones that need to be saved. So I'm privileged enough to be able to take photos of them, whatever the animal is, in their own habitat, their own wild habitat. I believe that wildlife animals are here free, like all of us humans. Mm -hmm. So to put an animal in captivity is almost no different to me in putting all life forms, even humans in captivity. So they are born to be free and nature has allowed um, their habitat to enrich them, to give them um, the food they need to sustain them. Let me also say at this point that there are many uh, conservation organizations and zoos that I don't support all zoos, but I do support those that are sanctuaries, ones that save these wildlife, um, look after orphaned wildlife. So those are ones that are there to do a good thing. But by and large, I believe animals to be, to be free and need to be in their own element, meaning their own habitats. I'm fortunate enough to be able to visit them wherever they are, tigers in uh, India, polar bears in Manitoba, which is in Canada, or lions in Kenya, where you are from, Phyllis. Um, and I've actually done a, a, a conservation documentary there with a big TV organization. So anyway, yes, they are there free. So we go to where they are. We try not to encroach on them. We don't impose on them anything. We do not feed them. We do not bait them. We just be patient and wait and see what they do.
And if you sit in long enough, two, three hours with a cheetah, with a lion, with a tiger, you will see, they will do things that will amuse you. And sometimes you see, oh, from the back of a tree, a, 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 a cub comes out, greet the dad or greet the mom. And that's when you really, as an as a animal lover, tear up and say, oh my God, you know, the three hours of waiting in the hot sun paid off. You know, and you get the opportunity, that's when I take my shots. Mm -hmm. So I take moments. I take moments um, of animal behavior, animal interaction. And I think that's what um, people like and they enjoy. So, so I hope that answers your question. It does. And you are so right about that because personally, I've been through a lot of safaris since I was young till right now. And it may be because that, yes, I live in a country that the national park is literally inside the city, but it's also because that I'm a national and international animal lover. I love conservation itself. And uh, what you've said about animals being in their natural habitat, I find that people don't tend to understand but that because you find that rich people from around the world, they visit Africa and they're like, okay, I love that monkey, I'll buy it and they bite and keep it as pets. But this monkey is suffering in this human world because it's natural way of life. It's being outside in nature. And you'll find that others go to India and they are milled by some tiger and they buy this tiger and they keep it in their homes in LA. And it's not quite good. And people might think that having exotic animals is some kind of prestige amongst them. Yes, it's a prestige amongst you, but I don't think that they're caring so much about these animals themselves. Because if the tables were turned and an animal decided to take you into its own natural habitat, I'm not sure that you would like it. Or what do you think? No, for sure, for sure. You had mentioned, Phyllis, earlier mm -hmm. that I'm an ambassador with the World Animal Protection mm -hmm. um, Organization. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of that organization, they invited me to be the ambassador is because of what I stand for and what I do in you know, conservation. Mm -hmm. They are working with the UN, United Nations, along with many non-governmental and governmental organizations to try to ban a strict legal ban, banning of uh, exotic wildlife trade forever. So that's why I said to them, yes, it would be such a privilege for me to be one of the ambassadors. Mm -hmm. So Phyllis, again, you're very right. Um, the captive captive uh, animals for the exotic world uh, wildlife trade um, is wrong. Mm -hmm. It is cruel. They are not here to amuse us. They are here just like we are, you know, to to exist, to coexist, to create biodiversity balance on Earth, and to have their own offspring, to have their life the way they are, you know. And if you want to enjoy them, go to them. Don't take them with you. Don't take them away to where you are. That is uh, totally wrong. But this is the challenge that we conservationists have. Mm -hmm. um, the indifference. It's an indifference that humans have towards the other species that we share this earth with. So the only way you know we can counter this indifference is doing what I do and many other people like me do. We try to bring them to the masses. Mm -hmm. Try to show to the masses that they love too. They feel pain too. No difference. Mm -hmm. So we have to be a little bit less egotistical as humans. Mm -hmm. And we have to be a little bit more respectful of all life forms, not just the human life form on earth. 
That's great, Chris. And in terms of conversation, there is one thing that I always remind people on social media, and I actually said that on Twitter about a year ago. What I mentioned was that we humans will be the cause of our own demise and the demise of the entire planet. Because we might talk and people out there might be listening and they start helping animals, conserving the, the animal kingdom, but when it comes to the environment, if we are damaging the environment, where would the animals live once you conserve them? So do you have any advices as an activist on nature, on a way we can balance both the flora and the fauna in the environment? Yeah, you, you, you've stated it so rightly, mm -hmm. uh, Phyllis. Congratulations. Seriously, there is a quote I use during my conservation talks that says this, it sounds very counterproductive and like, like it's a conflict, but it's not a conflict of ideas. Because if you listen carefully to the quotation mm -hmm. um, and you will figure out exactly what you just said, uh, Phyllis. And that is this, the quotation goes like this. The most successful species will create its own, uh, will, will create its own demise. So in other words, if you are most the most successful species, be careful because you will be so successful that you will make everything extinct and you will become extinct after that. Mm -hmm. You know, because if we keep devouring this earth and already just as the statistics on earth, 96% of earth has already been colonized by humans. Mm -hmm. Colonized in the sense of being uh, occupied by and rearranged by humans. The wildlife have only 4% of earth left mm -hmm. on their own. 4% for every other species on earth. 70% of birds that are on earth are poultry and farmed animals for us, for us humans. 70%. Only 30% of birds and, uh, are wild. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. So when I say we are in a period of mass extinction, I'm not kidding. I'm serious. And, and you know, so are many, many, many other people who have talked on this subject. We are concerned. We are very concerned because, as I said, I don't think um, humans are the only species that should exist on Earth. Mm -hmm. Because if that's so, we should have just not had any other species, right? We'll just have Earth and us. Mm -hmm. But no, Earth has been around before us. Almost every animal here on Earth, insects and fauna and flora, has been here before humans. We are one of the youngest evolution. So, yep. We need, we need to be a little bit less indifferent. We need to be a little bit more deep thinking. Mm -hmm. And we we'll need to be, I don't know, just caring a little bit more than just the human race. And you ask me, what do you do as an activist? Mm -hmm. You cannot force the whole world to your point of view, but you can show up. You can use your talents to promote your point of view. That's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do. So what can I do? What can you do? What can anybody do? We can all use what we have with our consciousness because a lot of people don't have your conscious or my consciousness about, mm -hmm. about conservation, nature and wildlife. But it behooves us to try to make as many people come to our viewpoint as possible. And to those listening out there, I know some of you might be sitting there and be thinking, Chris and Phyllis are in on their heads. That cannot happen. As a matter of fact, it has already started happening because um, a couple of years back, sadly, they announced that the ice caps are melting in both the northern and southern hemisphere. And when you come into my own country in Kenya, we literally have 
the last remaining mountain bongos, 150 of them, which 100 years back, they used to roam in each and every country that had mountains, meaning each and every country on this planet had mountain bongos. And it was because of climate change, humans taking their land and being driven out of their natural habitat that right now they are only 150. So from wherever you are, in your own country, in your own town, just try your own conservatory service to the natural habitat. You could plant trees every week somewhere, just a single tree. Or you could maybe decide to take a certain part of land and decide, okay, this part as a community, we won't plant anything, we won't dig anything, we'll plant trees, let animals come here, let's say little rabbits or birds. Isn't that great, a great idea, Chris? Yes, I think uh, your point about planting trees is just so simple, you know? If you yeah, have a garden, if you have a backyard, plant trees. You're right. And that will help to, you know, uh, regenerate earth because, you know, plants, trees, flora, fauna, as uh, Phyllis mentioned, is what keeps our uh, environment healthy. You know, a lot of people, you know, I, in my presentation, another um, thing I, I say is that, you know, it's a pity that trees do not provide us Wi-Fi. Completely. If trees provide us Wi-Fi, we won't be cutting it down. Mm -hmm. No, but trees only provide us oxygen and trees only take away carbon dioxide from us. <laughs> so we humans are so challenged mentally. Mm -hmm. you know, we value Wi-Fi more than we value that which keeps us alive. Oxygen and the need for carbon dioxide to be um, removed from the air so that we can breathe. Mm -hmm. And that's the function of trees. So uh, again, well done, Phyllis. You are remarkable. Um, you. you are right. Just plant, plant more trees. And, and the other thing that is going to be a very sensitive thing I'm about to say, and I hope the audience and you forgive me, the United Nations reports that every year there are over 200 million unwanted pregnancies. 200 million people who don't really need or want to have children, have children. Because the women in these parts of the world are not empowered. The way that we can change this, and the less humans means the less what Phyllis is talking about, mm -hmm. you know, habitat encroachment, urban sprawl, and all that that is taking away natural habitat from other living forms, is because of human population explosion. And the UN said if we could cut down just half of the 200 million unwanted, the, the point is unwanted. I'm not stopping Phyllis from having kids. I'm not stopping, you know, you who are listening who wants to have children to have children. We're not talking about you. We're talking about there are many situations where there is the family can't afford to have kids. They do not want to have kids, but they have because so the UN is working with several organizations like Population Matters, Population Connection, all these you can find, you can Google it, um, to empower women around the world. Once we empower and educate women, and I'm not saying that women are not educated. No, what I'm saying is educating, educate them about reproductive health. It will cut down unwanted pregnancies. Okay, so the operative word here is unwanted pregnancies. And that is, you know, uh, education about contraceptives and all that. And I know people who are religious may have a problem with contraception, mm -hmm. but 
you know, to, to bring a child on this earth that you cannot provide for, I think that is a bigger sin. So we need to also use what um, you know, the divine has given us, you know, reason. The divine has given reason. And when God asks Solomon, what do you want? I can give you one wish, what do you want? Solomon didn't say, I want money, I want fame. He said, I want wisdom, God. And God said, well done, my son. Because with wisdom, he became the richest person in the Bible. <laughs> the Solomon Mines, those who know the background on King Solomon's Mines. So he, King Solomon became rich not by asking for money. He became rich by asking for wisdom from the divine. So I ask the same for all of us. Let's all ask for wisdom so that we can use our wisdom um, to do right by not just humans, but by all life forms on earth. As I said, I repeat this. I don't think the intention is for only one species, the human species, to inhabit the world, the earth. Okay. Chris, um, I'm looking at your Instagram right now. And a couple of days ago, both you and Animal Protection had a similar post. And I was very intrigued by it because there were some things that I never knew that were part of animal conservation. And for those who aren't following him, I'll, I'll read this out for you. It says how you can help animals in 2021. A, eat less meat. Two, support legitimate sanctuaries. Three, never take wildlife selfies. Four, avoid elephant rides. Five, don't swim with dolphins. Six, boycott factory farming. Seven, never keep otters as pets. Eight, fight climate change. Nine, do not go to reptile shows. Chris, why I'm intrigued by this is because of three things. One, never take wildlife selfies. Two, don't swim with dolphins. And three, don't go to reptile shows. Why are these three things on that list? But the World Animal Protection and I believe that animals are not here to entertain us. Mm -hmm. We are not... They are not, you know, actors, actresses. They're not celebrities. You know, they are here to be who they are and what they are in their own elements, which is their own habitat. It is only humans who have this need, you know, to dominate, to subjugate, to, to turn animals to be human. That is so sad. You know, can you imagine if a chimpanzee makes us slaves, just like the, there's the movie Planet of the Apes, Mm -hmm. where we are the ones in chains and the chimpanzees are the ones who are whipping us to dance, whipping us to, to jump. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Is it right? No, and you say, no, no. Yeah, I mean, arguably, there are certain animals because of our need, uh, human need to also have species um, affiliation and closeness. We've turned dogs and cats into domestic, domesticated pets, pet companions. Fine. I think... Um, that is the up, upper limit of the pet-human relationship, you know, and, and dogs have become such an asset to humans, more so than other humans. Today, you know, dogs not only can smell cancer, they can also smell COVID. It's amazing. Uh, you go to Sweden and you will see they're using, in Switzerland, uh, dogs to help to diagnose if someone has COVID. And they've been using them for many other things, epilepsy and so on and so forth. So putting aside pets, because some a lot of people are confused. If you can 
have a dog, you can have a cat. Why can't you have a cheetah? Why can't you have a monkey? Why can't you have a cockatoo? Why can't you have a parrot? Because those are made not for domestication. Those are wild. They are meant to be out in the wild. And when you start promoting the rights on elephant, camel, you start promoting um, dolphin tourism where you swim with them and turtles and stingray, you're not enriching the ecosystem. You're not helping the stingray, the dolphin, or the camel. You are enriching humans who are exploiting these animals. Think about it. And, and, and then you all say, oh, but then if, if these animals don't do these things, um, then they will be bored because there is no stimulation of them doing certain things. I said, no, you can stimulate them in many, many other ways. First thing, they shouldn't even be captive. Mm-hmm. Captive to the point that they can even, um, you know, uh, perform for you. I myself have swam with turtles in Barbados. But they were free. I was diving. This bird turtle who is wild, totally wild, started to come towards me to look at me just because we are curious about them. They are curious about me. Mm-hmm. I have come two feet from, not kidding, two feet from a cheetah because we were stuck in one area and then the cheetah came. It was too late for us to run. And the last thing you do is run when you have a wild animal in front of you. Because they, they will think, what's wrong? Why are you running? They will run because they think something is coming after them too. Mm-hmm. So we don't run, we, we stay calm, we, we, we don't look at them in the eye, we go to the side, give them the side view, we sit down, we show them we are no threat, and this cheetah walked past me, two feet away. So those kinds of situation is different from a situation where you go to a place and you go and pet a cheetah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I know there are places that uh, do have that, and that's partly because often, often, O-F-T-E-N, and often, O-R-P-H-A-N, often cheetah, um, has been raised by humans. Mm-hmm. And these nice people have saved this cheetah who is often, who have died in the wild. And this cheetah becomes almost like a pet. Not a lot of species can be that way. It just happens that cheetahs are very docile compared to a lion, a tiger, mm-hmm. a civet cat, and many other species. So it, it really all depends for this. Um, there's no uh, 100% in this rule. But by and large, World Animal Protection and I do not believe that animals exist for entertainment. Mm-hmm. I think that's the bottom line. And if the, it doesn't enrich the animal's life, it doesn't help the animal, then what, who does it help? You know, and most times it's humans. And that's the problem. The human indifference, the human ego, the human um, lacking of empathy. Chris, we all know, as anybody who has had experience with photography, it's evident that a picture is worth a thousand words, be it positive or negative. But for you personally, when you're out in the world about to take these pictures, what runs through your mind? I would like to bring you, as I said, my purpose is to use my photos to invite you to fall in love with them. Mm-hmm. right with nature and its species so that is what we call a, a strategic choice i mentioned earlier to you that in my earlier career i was a strategist mm-hmm. and in the study of strategy we always learn there are two ways that you can persuade people mm-hmm. one is through soft power which is my belief that is a superior way and the other one is to strong with strength with might so there is a choice you make you can show a rhino 
bleeding to death with his horn being cut. Or you can show a rhino loving life and living with his family with a baby rhino next to it. I, in my studies, shows that I get more attention and I get more engagement from the soft power rhino, the one with the mother playing with the baby. And people get very turned off by a photo of a bleeding rhino with no horn. But that doesn't mean you, you, you cannot use both. But I made a choice, a strategic choice that I want you to fall in love. So I do not show the negative side. I talk about the negative side. But I show you the positive side. So in other words, if I show you a cute baby and then I say that this cute baby's life is endangered, I think it affects you as much as if I show you the baby being abused. Mm -hmm. so, so it was a choice I made that I prefer to use um, photos that charm people uh, in charming moments, as I said, um, in, in their element, uh, doing what they do. Because if you really sit down and you look at these animals, in their wild, happy, and in, 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 in full flare, mm -hmm. they are so adorable. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, like you say, Phyllis, you're fortunate that you, are, you live close to Nairobi National Park. I've been there. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, see the, uh, you can identify with this, to, to, to see the hyena family playing with the pups. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's amazing, <laughs> you know? Right? To see a lion cub snuggling up to mom or to dad and then dad pushing the cub away because dads are always jumping. Or a giraffe with its a giraffe. Yeah. And the giraffe was trying to stand up or drinking and then quickly unspreading the leg mm -hmm. so that they can finish drinking because they're vulnerable when they are down drinking. Uh, I guess, you know, uh, Phyllis, until and unless you have experienced what you and I have experienced, because we are lucky, you're lucky to live in Kenya. I'm fortunate to be able to visit Kenya. Others have to live through my photos and the photos of other people, the videos of other uh, photo photographers and videographers. Mm -hmm. So that's our purpose. You know, we bring these images to people who have not the opportunity to appreciate what we appreciate. And even if you can convert one person, there's one more person, you know, into uh, our thinking. Chris. What advice would you give any person out there, be it young and old, who would love to go into a career similar as yours? You know, you, you, in anything that you, you want to do, mm -hmm. you, have to be, you have to have clarity why you're doing it. And I've spoken with and counseled many, many people, mm -hmm. especially my mentees, my nephew, my nieces. And the first time when you ask them, you know what do you want and the first thing they say make money right <laughs> it's like almost everybody's goal mm -hmm. you see the thing is that that is a very um false goal no it, it, it is not about making money you will make money if you do something that makes you passionate about makes you wake up every morning excited about it trust me when you do that you will make money so putting aside people who, I mentioned this only because most people, when you ask them, what do you want to do with life? I want to make a lot of money. You know, mm -hmm. putting that aside, as I explained, that is not a goal. You need to be clear about who you are, what your background is, your, your life situation, and what you, you can do. Because it's, this is a, not a simple answer. Um, 
many people are not privileged enough to even have food on their table every day, to be sure. Mm -hmm. um, others have more food than they need and they waste. So it depends on where you are on the economic um, continuum, mm -hmm. right? And how you are in your life in terms of family, in terms of where you're situated, in terms of uh, opportunities or not, what, whatever the situation is, whatever your setting is, whatever your economic um, continuum is, you need to take all that is good about those things, leverage it for your purpose. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that only if you are rich, you can make, make a change in, in life. You need your rich, you can you know, engage in conservation. No. You can engage in conservation or whatever else you want to do, you know, educating women, empowering women. I don't know, whatever it is that you want to do, um, it has to come from clarity, mm -hmm. from purpose, you know, and, and passion. You know, like um, Phyllis, clearly, um, someone so youthful as you, mm -hmm. I can feel your passion when you ask me questions. I can feel what you are trying to do in your purpose without even, I didn't ask you what's your purpose, but I can tell that you are an educator. Mm -hmm. I can tell that you are a very magnanimous person. You want to share, you want to share knowledge. Yes. And I applaud you. So, 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 you know, you are the answer to this, the question you ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you clearly know that you are articulate. You do know how to interview. Um, and you use that to, to a higher purpose to benefit people who are in your podcast. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so it's not, not all have to be a conservationist, you know. We can all find our purpose and, and, and serve a higher, you know, a higher goal. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And you yourself, you're an amazing, amazing person because it's, it's rare to find somebody devote his whole entire being into conservation. You know, somebody can call themselves an activist, but you're only an activist during the weekends. For some, you're only an activist when the opportunity pops up. Let's say they say, oh, we're going to Africa to save the elephants. That's when people become activists. But for you, Chris, you are a 24-7 nature conservation advocate. And many blessings to you for having been here on this planet to help a lot of people in whichever way you can. Oh, you are too kind. No, no. Thank you very, very much. Uh, we are not here for ourselves. Believe me. Again, if we are, then we should be the only one on earth. We are here for everything and everybody else. And um, for this interview, uh, Phyllis, we talked about the wonderful Swahili word, Ubuntu. Ubuntu, which means for those in, in who know Swahili, you know what I've just said, which says that I am because we are. Let's do that. Let's live like that. You know, we are not here just for us. It's not about us. It's not about our ego. It's not about self-maximization. It's about how do we coexist for the general good. General good, not just for humans, but general good, period, for all life forms. Because this is the one place we share in common with all humans and all life forms, Earth. So let's make sure that we appreciate Earth Let's make sure that we celebrate Earth and we celebrate the diversity that is Earth, that represents Earth. Thank you, Phyllis. Thank you for this uh, opportunity to express myself. Thank you, Chris. And uh, you mentioned about people should prioritize making money in this lifetime. But I'd like to ask you, if you are in Bill Gates' shoes and money, finances was never an issue to you, 
what would you do in your life every single day? The people who have means, whether you're Mr. Gates or you are um, any other, any other multi-billionaire, you know, when you have been blessed by being successful in, in the capitalistic world, capitalism, as I was to, to a certain extent, not up to Bill Gates' extent, you then have to become a socialist. You then have to spread your wealth. You cannot take it with you. You know, naked we came, naked we go. We nothing. We we're not going to take a single possession. And the people who are really most wealthy, I don't see them to be the billionaires. The people, if you want to know how rich you are, count the things you have that money cannot buy. Again, to know how rich you are, count the things you have that money cannot buy. Money is very important. Without money, you don't put food in your mouth. You don't have drinks and you will die without drinking and breathing. So yes, I'm not belittling or playing down money. I'm just saying that there is a role that money has in our lives. And if you're blessed enough to be super rich, give it, give it away. If I have that much money, there are so much problems in the, in, on earth. Human problems, as we mentioned a lot today, conservation, wildlife problems. A lot of these organizations will get my, my, my money. They'll be beneficiaries because I can afford to. I can afford to pay the rangers who are now suffering because there's no business. And without the rangers now, especially in safari parks, the poachers are out because there are not, not many eyes out there looking, looking out for, uh, you know, when, you, when we go around safari, the proper safari, the eco-friendly safari, um, low-impact safari, as we call it, um, we are the automatic eyes and ears that, that pulls back poachers from coming. But now since COVID, the incidence of poaching has risen by more than double, much more than double. See, so, so you know, we, if I have that kind of money, I will just pay and make sure there are more rangers out there, you know, uh, policing um, the anti-poaching rangers that will stop the, the, the execution of wildlife. And there are many other things, you know, like Bill Gates, I think has done a great job. He has helped to almost eradicate malaria in Africa by something so simple, just providing mosquito nets. Mm -hmm. And now the UN, I mentioned, I mentioned to you guys about unwanted pregnancies. We are trying to approach him to see if he can help to, to use the money to empower women so that we have less unwanted pregnancies you know, with contraception and so on and so forth. So yeah, those who have been blessed with money, use your money with the, with the higher purpose, combine the two and then provide. I agree with you 100% because you'll find that not all but majority of the rich and uh, wealthy people out there are the people who are encouraging gentrification in neighborhoods and cities around the world. But I know it's unavoidable. It will come here. We are moving forward into the future. We can't live in the past. But I prefer that instead of using this money to develop cities and make more factories and deplete the ozone layer by what they're doing, it's better that they also put in some effort into conserving the environment. Because let's say, for example, in America, they have 4%, only 4% of natural habitat that's untouched. 
And probably in the future, these four percent will also disappear due to gentrification. But if people would take a stand and say that only cities should be developed, any other place outside the city should be used for animal conservation, I think that would be a huge step for everybody and also for the nature itself. So I, I think you're, you know, you're 100% right. Um, but we, we have an opportunity to, to restage everything. Uh, Phyllis, so, so hear me out on this one. This is a little bit um, more um, complicated and complex. Okay, so let's, let's start from the, the beginning in, in terms of evolution. You have the Big Bang, uh, estimated to be about 11 billion years, 11, 12 billion years ago. And then our solar system was uh, created about 3.5 billion years. And that's how Earth was created. And then you have got life forms that came. And then about 200,000 years ago, the Homo sapiens came, right? Which is our genus, our origins. In the billions of years of existence, we being only in the hundreds of thousands of years of existence, as a species, we have not really learned to maximize our own species impact on earth let me explain if you think about bees they have been around billion millions of years before us hundreds of billions of years before us so they've had 100 million years to create an evolution where they are clear about their role there is a queen bee there's a worker bee there's a soldier bee and they are very productive and they are very net contributive to the environment Okay, without bees, the human agriculture that we need to feed us is going to go. But there is in biology different species, different um, classifications for species. Believe it or not, even the simple earthworm is considered the foundational species. Why? Because without earthworms, no life forms exist. We have no plants, we have no plants, we have no herbivores, no herbivores, there's no carnivores, <laughs> and there's, the circle goes around. For You know, we humans, we are not even asking humans to be a foundational species, mm. because we can don't exist on earth and the earth will continue. Mm. But you take earthworms out of it, that's why they are called foundational species, we are in trouble. The earth is in trouble. All life forms in trouble, right? So we are at best a keystone species. But I believe that as a keystone species, we have not met up with enough tra tragedies. COVID is one example, and there may be way more than COVID that will come to put us, the human race, on our knees. And we'll be begging for living. It will come. It might not be in my lifetime, but I can tell you in 100,000 years from now, if humans exist, we will be reconfigured differently. So... Think about it. 200,000 years ago, we came. It was all this pollution and destruction. By the way, humans are the only species that pollute. Mm -hmm. okay? We are the only species that is net negative on Earth. Mm -hmm. The reason we became net negative is only 10,000 years ago. 200,000 years of existence, 10,000 years ago, we started to create civilizations. When we create civilizations, we started to settle down. It's when we start to settle down that we did not give Earth a chance to recover. 190,000 years before we settled down, we were nomadic. We moved around, no different than the Maasais, no different than from a lot of tribes in the world. Because that's how we are meant to exist. 
Because if we keep moving around, we give the parts of earth we have extracted to rebuild, right? To come back. And then we go around again. That's how we were meant to be. It was since we started to create civilization. And so when you mentioned progress, progress in what sense? Progress in ending life on earth through human existence? <laughs> what is progress? Gentrification is progress. So we have to reframe it. I don't think so. I don't think gentrification is progress. I think gentrification is wrong-headed, um, materially based uh, way of living. And I think if we we will come, we will come, I believe we will come to a point as a species to realize that we cannot continue the way we have. You know, we might come to a point where 4% of, no, we, we've taken over 100% then we see more diseases, more zoonotic diseases. Zoonotic diseases are diseases where it's transferred from animals to human and human back to animal. Okay. It will come a point where I think we have to learn as a species to know how to be a net contributor on earth. We talk about, you know, everything today in the developed world, everybody's spending so much money on buying organic this, organic clothes, organic plants, organic eat, organic drink, organic. But we don't live organically. <laughs> we live in these city centers that is filled with buildings that we have created urban sprawl that we have polluted the earth, uh, our own cities. And then in the meantime, we have organic this, organic that. No, you want to really be organic? We have to go back to living in the organic way. Believe it or not, it's a reversal of where we have been and scary. So if Africa can continue to not let <laughs> urban sprawl and um, Western matrix in telling you what progress is, I think you guys in, in the... Uh, free world, I call you guys free world because you live more uh, organically than anybody else in the developed world. So, you know, as I said, this is a very complex um, discussion that I've just introduced. Uh, it's, it's a reframing. We have to reframe. If we want to really make meaningful change, we cannot continue the same trajectory and believe that bit by bit, drop by drop, we can make a change. No. We have to be drastic. We have to reframe society, reframe how we think, reframe how we be as humans. So I started this um, campaign called Let's Human Better. How do we use humankind to make humankind human better? The operative word is kind and better. You know, let's be kinder. Let's be kinder to each other, to other species, to earth, and do better by being kind. And work on reframing how we exist and how we coexist and how we as a species can be a net contributor to earth. Thank you so much, Chris, for your insight. And I'd love to have you once again for our day celebration on April because I think you'd be an amazing guest for them and you can tell us more about how to conserve the environment, not only on Earth Day, but every single day of our lives. But anyway, thank you so, so much for being part of this episode, Chris. My pleasure. And um, really, it was amazing meeting you. I'm very, very impressed by you. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've got a huge age difference. I could be your grandfather. Mm -hmm. But uh, we have the same heart. You know, the age does not uh, put us apart. 
um, that's not important. What is uh, clear in this uh, interview, I hope, is how our hearts are together. You know, that yeah. um, we have the same passion, we have the same understanding, uh, and, and that's, that's uh, amazing. So again, thank you very much. I hope I have not bought your you podcast are audience. Amazing. <laughs> You've been an amazing, amazing guest. And whoever has been bored out there, you, I don't know where your heart is truly. If you can be bored by nature, then I don't believe you're an actual human. I believe you're an alien. But whoever is listening right now and you'd like to find him on social media, he's on Instagram under Chris M. Photo. I'll link his Instagram in the description. And you will also follow me. You can also find him on my page. And also remember to follow Wild Animal Protection so that you know what is happening in the world each and every day. But for now, this will be it from me and Chris. Chris, would, be, would there be anything else you'd like to add? No, we all live with Ubuntu in our hearts. I Absolutely. am because we are. Absolutely. I hope you all remember that. And in, in memory of this, I'd like to please, please recommend all of you on Netflix to go and watch a series called Our Planet. It's an amazing series where they talk nothing more but animals and the plants and the birds in our planet. But until next time, from me to all of you guys, it's a wrap and goodbye. Bye. And that will be it for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcasting app, especially Apple Podcasts, and share it with all your friends. Thank you so much for listening and remember creativity is intelligence having fun. Until next time, hashtag PodRock.